The Ugly Duckling It was a beautiful day in the country. It was summertime. The wheat was yellow, the oats were green, the hay was stacked up in the green meadows, and the stork paraded about on his long red legs. The fields and meadows were skirted by thick woods, and a deep lake lay in the midst of the woods. Yes, it was beautiful indeed in the country. The sunshine fell warmly on an old house surrounded by deep canals and from the walls down to the water's edge there grew large palm leaves so high that the children could stand upright among them without even being seen. This place was as wild as the thickest part of the wood and on that account a duck had chosen to make her nest there. She was sitting on her eggs But the pleasure she had felt at first was now long gone, because she had been there so long and had had so few visitors, for the other ducks preferred swimming on the canals to sitting among the burdock leaves gossiping with her. At last the eggs cracked, one after another. Cheep, cheep! All the eggs were alive, and one little head after another peeped forth. Quack, quack, said the duck, and all got up as well they could. They peeped about from under the green leaves, and as green is good for the eyes, their mother let them look as long as they pleased. How large the world is, said the little ones, for they found their new abode very different from their former narrow one inside the eggshells. Do you imagine this to be the whole of the world? said the mother. It extends far beyond the other side of the garden in the farmer's field. But I have never been there. Are you all here? And then she got up. No, not all, for the largest egg is still here. How long will this last? I am so very weary of it. And then she sat down again. Well, and how are you getting on? Asked another old duck who had come to pay her a visit. This one keeps me so long, said the mother. It will not break. But you should see the others. They are the prettiest little ducklings I have ever seen in all my days. Let me see the egg that will not break, said the old duck. Depend on it, it is a turkey's egg. I was cheated in the same way once myself, and I had such trouble with the young ones, for they were afraid of the water, and I could not get them in there. I called and I scolded. But let me see this egg. Ah, yes, to be sure. That is a turkey's egg. Leave it and teach the other little ones to swim. Oh, I will sit on it a little longer, said the duck. I have been sitting so long that I may as well spend the harvest here. It is no business of mine, said the old duck. And away she waddled. The great egg burst at last. Said the little one, and out it tumbled. But oh, how large and, and ugly it was! The duck looked at it. This is a great strong creature, she said. None of the others are like it at all. Can it be a young turkey? Well, we shall soon find out. It must go into the water, and I must push it in myself. The next day there was delightful weather and the sun shone warmly upon the green leaves when Mother Duck with all her family went down to the canal. Pop! She went into the water. Quack, quack! She cried, and one duckling after another jumped in. Whee! 
The water closed over their heads, but all popped up again and swam together quite easily. Their legs moved without effort at all. All were there, even the ugly grey one. No, it is not a turkey, said the old duck. See how prettily it moves, how upright it holds itself. It is my own child. It is also really very pretty when you look more closely at it. Quack, quack. Now come with me. I will take you into the world and introduce you to the duckyards. But keep close to me or someone may tread on you. And beware of the cat. So they came into the duckyard. There was a horrid noise. Two families were quarrelling about the head of a fish, which in the end was carried off by the cat. See, my children, such is the way of the world, said Mother Duck, wiping her beak, for she too was fond of fish. Now use your legs, she said, keep together and bow to the old duck you see over there. She is the most distinguished of all the fowls present and is of Spanish blood, which accounts for her dignified appearance and manners. Oh, and look, she has a red rag on her leg. That is considered extremely handsome and it is the greatest honour a duck can have. Now don't hold your feet inwards. A well-educated duckling always keeps his legs far apart, like his father and mother. Just so. Look. Now bow your heads and say, Quack! And they did as they were told. But the other ducks who were in the yard looked at them and said aloud, Just see, now we have another brood, as if there were not enough of us already. And fie, how ugly that one is. We will not endure it. And immediately, one of the ducks flew at him and nipped him in the neck. Leave him alone, said the mother. He's doing no one any harm. Yes, but he's so large and strange looking, and therefore he shall be teased, said the others. Those are fine children that our good mother has said the old duck with the red rag on her leg. All are pretty except one, and that has not turned out well. I almost wish it could be hatched all over again. That cannot be, please, your highness, said the mother. Certainly he is not handsome, but he is a very good child, and swims as well as all the others. Indeed, rather better. I think he would grow like the others, and in good time, perhaps will look smaller... He stayed so long in the eggshell that that is really the only cause of the difference. And she scratched the duckling's neck and stroked his whole body. Besides, added she, he is a drake. I think he will be very strong, so it does not matter so much. He will fight his way through this world. The other ducks are very pretty, said the old duck. Pray make yourselves at home, and if you find a fish head, you can bring it to me. So they all made themselves at home. But the poor little ugly duckling, who had come last out of his eggshell, and who was so ugly, was teased, pecked, and prodded by both ducks and hens. It is so large, said they all. And the turkey, who had come into the world with spurs on, and therefore fancied he was an emperor, puffed himself up like a ship in full sail, and marched up to the duckling, quite red with passion. The poor little thing scarcely knew what to do. He was quite distressed, because he was so ugly, and because he was the jest of all the poultry yard. So passed the first day in the duckyard, and afterwards matter grew worse and worse. The poor duckling was scorned by all, 
Even his brothers and sisters behaved unkindly and were constantly saying, May the cat take you, you nasty creature! The mother said to him, Ah, if only you were far away. The ducks teased him, the hens pecked him, and the girl who fed the poultry even kicked him. He ran through the hedge and the little birds in the bushes were terrified. That is because I am so ugly, thought the duckling, shutting his eyes, but he ran on. At last he came to a wide field, where lived some wild ducks. Here he lay for the whole night, very tired and comfortless. In the morning the wild ducks flew up and saw their new companion. Oh, pray who are you? they asked, and our little duckling turned himself in all directions and greeted them as politely as possible. You are really uncommonly ugly, said the wild ducks. However, that does not matter to us, provided you do not marry into our families. Poor thing, he had never thought of marrying, he was only a chick. He only begged permission to lie among the reeds and drink the water in the pond. There he lay for two whole days. On the third day, there came two wild geese, or rather ganders, who had not been long out of their eggshells, which accounts for their impertinence. Hark ye, said they, you are so ugly that we like you very well. Will you come with us and be a bird of passage? On another moor not far away from this are some dear sweet wild geese, as lovely creatures as I've ever said, hiss, hiss. You are truly in the way to make your fortune, ugly as you are. Bang, bang. A gun went off all at once, and both wild geese flew up and off into the sky. Whole flocks of wild geese flew up from among the reeds and were gone in an instant. There was a grand hunting party. The hunters lay in ambush all around, some even sitting in the trees, whose huge branches stretched far over the moor. The blue smoke rose through the thick trees like a mist and was dispersed as it fell over the water. The hounds splashed about in the mud, the reeds and rushes bent in all directions. How frightened the poor little duck was. He turned his head, thinking to hide under his wing, and in a moment a most formidable-looking dog stood close to him, his tongue hanging out of his mouth, his eyes sparkling fearfully. He opened wide his jaws at the sight of our duckling, showing his sharp white teeth, and... Splash, splash, he was gone, gone without hurting the duckling. Well, let me be thankful, sighed he. I am so ugly that even the dog will not eat me. And now he lay still, though the shooting continued amongst the reeds, shot after shot. The noise did not cease till late in the day, and even then the poor little thing dared not stir. He waited several hours before he looked around him, and then hurried away from the moor as fast as he could, He ran over fields and meadows, though the wind was so high that he had some difficulty in moving. Towards evening he reached a wretched little hut, so wretched that it knew not on which side to fall, and therefore remained standing. The wind blew violently so that our poor little duckling was obliged to support himself on his tail in order to stand against it. But it became worse and worse. He then noticed that the door had lost one of its hinges and hung much awry, so that he could creep through the crack into the room. In this room lived an old woman, with her tomcat and her hen. The cat, whom she called her little son, knew how to set up his back and purr. Indeed, he could even throw out sparks when stroked the wrong way. 
the hen had very short legs and therefore was called Chicky Shortlegs. She laid very good eggs and the old woman loved her as her own child. The next morning the new guest was discovered and the cat began to mew and the hen to cackle. Whatever is the matter? asked the old woman looking around but her eyes were not so good so she took the young duckling to be a fat duck who had lost her way. This is capital catch, said she. I shall now have duck's eggs if it not be a drake. We soon shall see. And so the duckling was kept on trial for three weeks, but no eggs were made. Now the cat was the master of the house and the hen was the mistress. Can you lay eggs? asked she. No, said the duckling. Well then hold your tongue. And the cat said, "Mm, Can you set up your back? Can you purr? No, said the duckling. Well then, you should have no opinion when reasonable people are speaking. So the duckling sat alone in a corner and felt very miserable indeed. However, he happened to think of the fresh air and bright sunshine and these thoughts gave him such a strong desire to swim again that he could not help telling it to the hen. What ails you? said the hen. You have nothing to do and therefore brood over these fancies. Either lay eggs or purr. Then you will forget them. It is so delicious to swim, said the duck. So delicious when the waters close over your head and you plunge to the bottom. (laughs) Well, that is a queer sort of pleasure, said the hen. I think you must be crazy. Not to speak of myself. Ask the cat. He is the most sensible animal I know. Whether he would like to swim or, or to plunge to the bottom of the water. Ask her mistress, she the old woman. There is no one in the world wiser than she. Do you think she would take the pleasure in swimming and the waters closing over her head? You do not understand me, said the duckling. What? What? We do not understand you. So you think yourself better than, and wiser than myself and the cat and the old woman. Do not fancy any such thing, child. Be thankful for all the kindness that has been shown you. Are you not lodged in a warm room? And have you not the advantage of society from which you can learn something? You are an ungracious child, and it is wearisome to have anything to do with you. Believe me, but I wish you well. I tell you unpleasant truths, but it is thus that real friendship is shown. Come, for once give yourself trouble to learn to purr or lay eggs. I think I will go out into the wide world again, said the duckling. Well, go then, answered the hen. So the duckling went. He swam on the surface of the water, he plunged beneath, but all the animals passed him by on account of his ugliness. Then the autumn came, the leaves turned yellow and brown, the wind caught them and danced them about, the air was very cold, the clouds were heavy with hail or snow, and the raven sat on the hedge and croaked. The poor duckling was certainly not very comfortable. One evening, just as the sun was setting with unusual brilliancy, a flock of large, beautiful birds rose out from the brushwood. The duckling had never seen anything so beautiful before. Their plumage was of a dazzling white, and they had long, slender necks. They were swans. They uttered a singular cry, spread out their long, splendid wings, and flew away from these cold regions to warmer countries across the open sea. They flew so high, so very, very high. And the little ugly duckling's feelings were so strange. He turned round and round in the water like a mill wheel, strained his neck to look after them. 
and sent forth such a loud and strange cry that it almost frightened himself. Ah, he could not forget them, those noble birds, those happy birds. When he could no longer see them, he plunged to the bottom of the water, and when he rose again, was almost beside himself. The duckling knew not what the birds were called, knew not where they were flying, yet he loved them as he had never before loved anything. He envied them not, it would not have occurred to him to wish such beauty for himself. He would have been quite contented if the ducks in the duckyard had but enjoyed his company. The poor ugly creature. And the winter was so, so cold. The duckling was obliged to swim round and round in the water to keep it from freezing. But every night the opening in which he swam became smaller and smaller. It froze so that the thick crust of ice crackled and the duckling was obliged to make good use of his legs to prevent the water from freezing entirely. At last, wearied out, he lay stiff and cold in the ice. Early in the morning they passed a poor farmer who saw him, broke the ice in pieces with his wooden shoe and brought him home to his wife. The poor duckling soon revived. The children would have played with him but he thought they wished to tease him and in his terror jumped into the milk pail so that the milk was spilled about the room. The farmer's wife screamed and clapped her hands. He flew from there into the pan where the butter was kept and then into the meal barrel and out again and then how strange he looked. The farmer's wife screamed and struck at him. The children ran races with each other trying to catch him and laughed and screamed likewise. It was well for him that the door stood open He jumped out among the bushes into the new-fallen snow, and there he lay as in a dream. He was lying on a moor among the reeds when the sun began to shine warmly again. The lark sang, and the beautiful spring had returned. Once more he shook his wings. They were stronger than before and bore him forward quickly, and before he was well aware of it, he was in a large garden where apple trees stood in full bloom where the flowers sent forth their fragrance and the vines hung long green branches down into the winding canal. Oh, everything was so lovely, so full of the freshness of spring. And out of the thicket came three beautiful white swans. They displayed their feathers so proudly and swam so lightly, so gracefully. The duckling knew the glorious creatures and was seized with a strange sadness. I will fly to them, those kingly birds, said he. They will hurt me because ugly as I am, I have dared to approach them. But it matters not. Better to be hurt by them than to be bitten by the ducks and pecked by the hens and kicked by the girl who feeds the poultry and to have suffered so much during the winter. He flew into the water and swam towards the beautiful creatures. They saw him and shot forward to meet him. Oh, please don't hurt me, said the poor creature and he bowed his head low, expecting a blow. But what did he see in the water? He saw beneath him his own form, his reflection. No longer that of a plump, ugly grey bird. It was that of a swan. It matters not to have been born in a duckyard if one has been hatched from a swan's egg. And now the swan began to see the good of all the trouble he had been through. He would never have known how happy he was if he had not first had all his sorrows and unhappiness to bear. The larger swans swam round him and stroked him with their beaks. Some little children were running around in the garden. They threw grain and bread into the water and the youngest exclaimed, There is a new one! 
and the others also cried out, Yes, there is a new one, a new swan has come. And they clapped their hands and danced around. They ran to their father and mother. Bread and cake were thrown into the water and everyone said, This one is the best, so young and beautiful. And the old swans bowed before him. The young swan felt quite ashamed and hid his head under his wing. He scarcely knew what to do. He too was very happy, but still not proud. For a good heart is never too proud. He remembered how he had been persecuted and laughed at. And he now heard everyone say that he was the most beautiful swan of all the beautiful swans. The trees bent down their branches towards him low in the water and the sun shone warmly and brightly. He shook his feathers, he stretched his slender neck and in the joy of his heart said, How little did I dream of so much happiness when I was the despised ugly duckling. The End